You're listening to Paws, Claws, Wet Noses, the vet podcast celebrating all creatures, great and small, and the fantabulous professionals who look after them all. Paws, Claws, Wet Noses is powered by Vet Staff, New Zealand's number one and only specialist recruitment agency that helps veterinary professionals find jobs and clinics where they're excited about going to work on Monday mornings. Vetstaff.co.nz Welcome to episode 115, 115. I'm your show host, Julie South. This is the second part of the two-part series on unconscious biases that play out in the interview recruitment process. If you haven't listened to this from, if you haven't listened to last week's, I encourage you to go back and listen to that to get a background. And also, even though it sounds like these are for the interviewer, they apply equally to the job applicant as well. So we all have unconscious biases. I've identified 16 from the squillion or so unconscious biases we all have as part of being human. We form unconscious biases whether we like it or not, and the best we can do is ensure we're aware of them, what the signals are that we're actually being biased with and about, and how to reduce the impact of these on your team. As I said, if you haven't listened to last week's episode that covered the first lot, then I really encourage you to do that because... It will make today make a bit more sense. So today we pick up at number six. And number six is the overconfidence bias. This plays out when the recruiter is so confident in their own abilities to either pick a good candidate or to eliminate the supposed bad ones that they allow confirmation bias to creep in to justify their decisions and they become overconfident. The interviewer allows their subjective confidence, which is really overconfidence, to cloud their objectiveness. They may justify this decision-making through this thing called intuition. Remember, I mentioned intuition last week, and it's okay to rely on your gut when you've got thousands of hours experience under your belt like you have in surgery, but please don't rely on it when you're interviewing, because it doesn't work. Number seven is the similarity attraction bias. As humans, we naturally gravitate to people who are similar to ourselves, people who are like us. And when we're with people who are like us, we've usually got great rapport going on. We enjoy being around people who see the world through a similar lens as us. It's the same at work. After all, we spend half our waking lives, give or take, at work, so it makes sense. It's great when you enjoy working with the people you work with, but beware how this plays out when you're interviewing. Sometimes the similarity attraction bias plays out and replicas of people are hired because of the likeness, the similarity, but they might be incompetent. So you don't want to have replicas of people who are already there. Similarly, attraction bias renders us blind to their lack of skills and competencies. So that is called similarity attraction bias. Number eight is the illusory coloration virus. Bias, not virus, bias. 
It could be a virus. The illusory correlation bias is when a person believes a relationship exists between two variables when there is, in fact, no relationship there. It's just an illusion. Real-life examples of illusory correlation biases are superstitions. In an interviewing situation, too much emphasis could be put on questions the interviewer believes will provide an insight into an applicant's behaviour. These could be totally random questions that bear no relevance to their competencies or ability to shine at work. I talked about this in a different bias last week, so make sure that you've listened to last week's as well. Affinity bias. Number nine, affinity bias. This is a sister bias to the similarity bias and usually comes to the fore when an interviewer spends quite a considerable amount of time developing rapport. And we do rapport, we need rapport. Rapport is helping to put others at ease in our clinic when we're in our com- or when they're in our company, our company as in our space company, our personal space. We do this by finding things that we have in common. For example, we look, do we have the same people in common? Do we, did we go to the same schools? Do we do the same sports? Have we got similar hobbies, likes, dislikes? All of those things. We're looking for to, to, to find something that we have in common, similar, that we are similar to or with. Then once we have rapport built, affinity bias kicks in and similarity bias kicks in, and it could outweigh other important considerations like whether the applicant actually has the skills to do the job. Just because someone plays the same sport as you or grew up in the same town as you doesn't mean that they're going to be able to do the job being asked of them. Interviewers especially need to look out for connections because it's like the illusory correlation. Overweighted emphasis is placed on something intangible and or irrelevant to the hiring decision. Number 10, and this is one of those that it will surprise you, is called the beauty bias. Now, this comes down to our brains and perhaps society hardwiring and grooming us to believe that beautiful people are more successful. This is a view that comes with the world that we live in, sadly. The more Instagram we have, the more consumerism we have, the more the beauty bias will pay out. Somehow, our brains are hardwired to believe that the more good-looking, including height, the more successful and competent someone will be. Now, I'm not saying that you might hire someone on whether they're considered beautiful or not. Hopefully, you are not that superficial. However, beware of hiring someone simply because they have a similar appearance to others in your clinic and or even the departing employee you're looking to replace. Remember, no biases are rational, but they are in a way logical, even if though they may seem it's paradoxically illogical. Just because the resigning vet has blonde hair, say, for example, and is great at their job, doesn't mean that the next blonde-haired vet will also be great at their job. But somehow, our unconscious biases come out to play. We put two and two together and somehow we manage to get five. So beware of that one. You don't necessarily want to hire somebody who looks the same as a person who's leaving or who looks the same as everybody else in your clinic. 
Number 11 is the conformity bias. And this is group thinking bias. If you're familiar with the famous ASH experiment, I'll put the link in the show notes, that demonstrated how we all can have our decision-making impacted by group peer pressure, then, as I said, I'll put it in today's show notes. Basically, as humans, we're all capable, given the right circumstances, to have our decisions swayed to conform with our peers. If you're on an interview panel and you find yourself being influenced or swayed to change your decision to conform, ask yourself why. Similarly, if you are on on an interview panel and you notice that someone else is being similarly swayed, ask why. Look for something deeper. Are they being swayed? Diversity is critical. And it could be that any number of other biases are being played out by other members of an interviewing panel. And the final bias is conformity. For example, imagine that you're on an interviewing panel and you're the only one who thinks a particular applicant did really well and would fit in well. Would you say so and go against the rest of the interviewers? Or would you allow yourself to be swept along by the majority and potentially let a great candidate slip through the net? Last week, I mentioned intuition and I started off at in this week's podcast as well. I've referred to it a few times. It can be a danger when making a hiring decision. You owe it to every applicant, to your colleagues, your clinic and to yourself to always check all the facts. If you do have a bit of a concern, check in with others and find out if they're also concerned and ask them why. The facts are important, especially when you don't have the thousands of hours of interviewing experience behind you like you do in surgery when you can rely on your intuition. Number 13 is known as a contrast effect bias or the judgment bias. Here at VetStaff, we spend a reasonable amount of time reading CVs. We read every single CV that comes across our desk, by the way. We don't leave it to bots, to computer bots. When you've got a stack of CVs to go through, rather than allowing each resume to stand out on its own merit, it's easy to fall into the trap of comparing the latest resume or the one you're currently reading to the one you've just read. When that happens, all you're doing is moving the goalposts with each comparison because each attribute gets elevated or watered down according to the previous candidate's skills in that particular area. The solution to this is to identify each skill or skills, plural, the position requires and then rate each applicant to that. Use the same unit of measurement for each applicant so you can compare each fairly. Number 14 is the bandwagon effect bias and this is when one person's opinion dominates and no one challenges that opinion. The person could outrank the others. For example, they could be the owner of the clinic or the head nurse or the lead vet. Somehow they have rank over everybody else. Or their personality type is very much in your face. In clinics where the culture is such that it's not okay to speak up or go against the flow, where the sense of psychological safety is minimal or maybe even non-existent, even though the dominating person might invite others to give their view, no one's game enough to do so. So beware of that. 
Number 15 is the stereotyping bias. This is like effect heuristics. Talked about this last week. Because it's when a decision is made on a superficial, non-relevant factor. For example, an applicant might be judged or wanting because of their accent, their body art or piercings, gender or name. This is when, I talked about this last week as well, blind CVs come into their own. They at least let all job applicants start from the same level playing field. And finally, number 16, proximity bias. I've seen this one played out over the years. And this is when an applicant is judged positively or negatively in relation to how far or near they live from a clinic. Now, I know that when there's a requirement for after hours, living close to the clinic is important and needs to be taken into account. But where I've seen this play out is in clinics where there is no after hours required. And the hiring manager has decided, in air quotes, has decided the applicant will get fed up with the commute. It hasn't mattered that the applicant is fine with the commute and has been commuting similar distances in previous jobs. The hiring manager doesn't believe them. So therefore, they have made the decision that because of the applicant's proximity, they will not get the job, even though they're a great fit. Okay, so now you're aware of these biases and how they can negatively impact a great job applicant. But what can you do about them? Here are seven ways to mitigate the damage unconscious bias can have at your clinic when you're looking for your next dream team member. Number one, do be aware of unconscious hiring biases that you and your team might have and look out for them. I'll cover ways that you can do this in another podcast. Number two, do ensure your hiring managers have received suitable interview training that covers hiring biases. As I've said, we are happy to facilitate this for you if you'd like. Do make hiring decisions based on evidence rather than on subjective assumptions. Do be consistent and transparent in your hiring process. Do create a standardized interview guide and ensure you ask every candidate the same questions. Noticing a trend here, do create a standard reference checking guide and ensure you ask all referees the same questions because you could play out unconsciously there as well. Do involve other team members in the interview process and provide a safe psychological space for everyone's opinions to be considered and if necessary, challenged. I hope that you found it interesting and helpful. This is Julie South signing off and thank you for listening. I appreciate that you have spent the last half an hour or so of your life with me. Remember, if you would like some unconscious bias training for your team, it doesn't have to be just for those who are doing interviews. Unconscious biases kick in where people interact with other people. Please get in touch because this is something that we can help with. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit that follow button. It's free. And give it a five-star review wherever you're listening to it right now. Why? Because it makes a huge difference to helping the search algorithms serve it up for others to listen to. 
Thanks heaps. This is Julie South signing off and inviting you to go out there and be the most fantabulous version of you you can be. Kia kaha, kakiti anu, God bless. Paws, claws, and wet noses is sponsored by Vet Staff. If you've never heard of Vet Staff, it's New Zealand's only full service recruitment agency, 100% dedicated to the veterinary sector. Vet Staff has been around since 2015 and works nationwide, from Cape Reinga to the Bluff and everywhere in between. As well as helping Kiwis, Vet Staff also helps overseas qualified veterinarians find work in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Vetstaff.co.nz